In Canada, one woman is killed in a violent act every other day. The spike in domestic violence that began during the pandemic is still on the rise. Numbers in Canada have leapt by 27 percent since 2019, and in Israel, the situation is just as critical, with 16 Israeli women already murdered this year. True to its mission, CHW is stepping up to support emergency services in Canada and Israel at this critical time. Help CHW empower victims of domestic violence by supporting the 27-hour SOS crowdfunding campaign. From August 22nd to 23rd, every dollar will be quadrupled when you donate online at chwsos.ca. On to our paper, then the book, and then we're going to stand over that's the sound of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau visiting Ottawa Jewish Community School last year right before Rosh Hashanah. Firstly, it's just fun to see Trudeau giving his full attention to smearing a glue stick across yellow construction paper and pasting on a blessing over apples and honey with the rest of the students. But really, it speaks to how important day schools are, and Jewish education more broadly to many Jewish Canadians. And being so important, I think it's important for the community to ask... What are we getting from these schools? What's their long-term effectiveness in terms of building Jewish identity? And knowing the extreme costs, how do these effects stack up against other potentially cheaper forms of Jewish education? After-school programs, summer camps, birthright. If Canadian Jewish parents are collectively paying out tens of millions for a product, I think it's fair to ask, is it working? Dr. Yehuda Kurtzer, a leading thinker on Jewish identity education, said that one place to start answering the question is just by noticing how different Jewish life is now than it was 50 years ago, let alone 100 years ago, when the models for modern Jewish education were first created. The overwhelming uh, framework for Jewish identity is assimilative. (laughs) That was kind of the goal of many Jews who moved to North America, was figure out a way to make our identities work within this broader cultural context, assimilative. Um, And now we ask, after basically 100 Mm -hmm. years of unexpected success, what do we have to do to kind of hold back against the assimilative tendencies of the cultures that we're in? Um, And so all of Jewish education is weirdly kind of on the defensive against a project that we collectively kind of agreed to do. I'm Avi Feingold, host of Bonjour Chai, filling in for Ellen Besner. And this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, August 24th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Back when I spoke with Yehuda, he was president of the Shalom Hartman Institute of North America. This summer, after Montrealer Rabbi Daniel Hartman announced he was retiring, Yehuda stepped into his spot as president of the Shalom Hartman International organization. We had a fascinating conversation about what qualifies as success for a Jewish education and what parents in the broader community should expect out of these institutions. All that right after a word from our sponsors. Beth David Hebrew School is now accepting new students. One of Toronto's most dynamic egalitarian conservative congregations is offering personalized Hebrew lessons, hands-on learning, exciting field trips, and small group activities, all with a hot dinner included. This is Jewish exploration that will last your children a lifetime. Classes run weekly on Monday nights from 5 to 7.15 p.m. starting September 18th. To learn more and enroll, visit BethDavid.com or email Adina, that's A-D-I-N-A, at BethDavid.com. Here with us today is one of the leading observers of North American Jewish life, Dr. Yehuda Kurtzer. Yehuda is the president of the Shalom Hartman Institute of North America and the host of the Identity Crisis podcast. Yehuda, welcome to Bonjour Chai. Thanks for having me. Okay, so why don't we dive right in? There is this perception that we have a lot of kids going through day school, but they don't actually come out with a thick Jewish identity. 
And when we were pondering this question amongst others, it seemed as if the actual role of day schools have very different meanings for many different groups, as well as what qualifies as success has changed over time, right? So we can start by going into some of that first, right? So um, to look at what is the actual role of day schools, is it about socialization? Is it about knowledge, uh, the idea of yediot, certain basic ideas of Judaism that have to come through? Is it about Jewish values? And then maybe we can spend some time going into where things have come from and where do you think they're going? Great. So, you know, I, I think one of the first questions we have to ask whenever we have a conversation like this is not just what what is Jewish education or Jewish day school supposed to achieve, but what is the over, what is the climate in which we're in, um, and and to to use that as a means of trying to understand why something is or isn't working. Right. It's not that Jewish day schools or camps or supplemental mm-hmm. schools or whatever it is are merely in a vacuum. And then we can say, this does X better. Uh, We have to notice the environment that we're in. In America in particular, probably more than Canada, but I think it's true across North America, the overwhelming uh, framework for Jewish identity is assimilative. (laughs) That was kind of the goal of many Jews who moved to North America was figure out a way to make our identities work within this broader cultural context, assimilative. Um, And now we ask, after basically 100 Mm -hmm. years of unexpected success, what do we have to do to kind of hold back against the assimilative tendencies of the cultures that we're in? Um, And so all of Jewish education is weirdly kind of on the defensive against a project that we collectively kind of agreed to do. You know, I always used to say that um, we are actually the least assimilated point in history, right? We have the fewest number of people that are, quote unquote, going off the derech or leaving, you know, Judaism in general, because uh, we have the ability to have loose ties, right, in, the, in, the, in a modern era, and that that never existed, that many, many people left than we ever imagined, mm-hmm. but you never heard from them again. And now all of a sudden, day schools are dealing with this role of saying, well, loose ties is something that we want, but how do we want to reframe that? It's, we, we need tighter, we need thicker ties than, than that, and how loose and versus how tight. And, and that's the framework that we're existing in. Yeah, and look, we, we all of us have available to around us communities of Jews who have responded to the conditions in which we're living by saying, no, the best way to do this is to separate, completely separate ourselves, create social and cultural boundaries mm-hmm. between us and the surrounding culture. The challenge emerges for those of us who don't identify as Haredi, as ultra-Orthodox Jews, to say, how much do we want mm-hmm. of social and cultural differentiation? And how much do we want of social and cultural assimilation and integration? And that's the that's the essential problem that I think mm-hmm. um, all frameworks of Jewish identity are trying to, or Jewish education are trying to deal with. So then when it comes to, let's say, K through 12 education, right, then what you're saying is that the question needs to be asked of what do we expect of day schools in terms of how thick the identity they want and versus how, you know, assimilative they want it to be. That's right. And what choices are we as parents as, or we as educators uh, what, what conscious trades are we willing to make and what choices are we making in order to achieve what end? In other words, you can't simply say, okay, let's make a chart. Which of these works more? You know, day schools, camp, supplemental schools. Well, works more to achieve what? <laughs> do I want my kids to know more about Judaism? Do I want them yeah. to pr- principally have Jewish friends? Do I want them to live a life in which the Jewish calendar is primary compared to the secular calendar? So if I once I can solve those questions, then, you know, depending on the kind of Jewish identity I want to get on the other end, camp might be a better option and day school might be a better option. I get the sense that this wasn't always the case, though, that historically 
day school was either because we weren't allowed into the right elite institutions right at high school levels or because of the knowledge factor, right, and knowledge and values. And we didn't think nearly as much about socialization and these loose ties versus uh, stronger ties. Um, is that the case? Is that, I mean, are we, you know, actually thinking about these things more than we ever have before? You know, when I went to, I mean, I went to a yeshiva, so it's different. I went to a very Haredi yeshiva, but when I was around, the sense was that day school was primarily about learning, right? Because you couldn't get Gemara in a public school, and most people weren't going to do it in the afternoon or the evening, then go to a Jewish day school. Is that really way off? And this is the first time, this is not at all the first time that we think about this in the, you know, in this way? Well, I'm not, I'm not a historian of this, so I don't want to, I don't want to totally speculate on it. I think there are two things, there are two things that feel totally different about now. One is, you know, as you indicated, talking about day school education in the 1940s and 1950s in America means means talking about a time when um, the capacity for American Jewish assimilation is totally different. And so the choices around socialization are really different. Um, and the second thing that I think I think we're we're only about a hundred years into this. So by Jewish standards, that's like yesterday of societies in which, in which our expectation is that all of our children are are deserving of, uh, and that it's our obligation to provide them with uh, a comprehensive and world class education. <laughs> but like, go back two hundred years. That's certainly not the case. Not just not for girls, but certainly not for all boys. Uh, so we're. St- it's not surprising to me that that we are still working out now the question of what does it mean to provide our children with a Jewish education, both from the perspective of how quickly our capacity to assimilate, to live flourishing lives without necessarily needing um, the stuff of our culture or our tradition in order to flourish as human beings, and still trying to figure out like what does universal education for our children mean? Uh, we as a Jewish society, it's, it's still we're still relatively new to that story. Yeah, and I think that's you know, to add on top of that is that we're finally at the point where we're comfortable enough where we do expect all the things. We do expect, even if we don't want it, we expect the world-class education, right? Whether in the Orthodox world or the non-Orthodox world, right? If you're at a world-class non-Orthodox Jewish high school like Frankel or Gan Academy, you know, in the States where they say, we're giving you the world-class secular education, but we're also giving you the world-class, you know, knowledge, uh, Jewish knowledge that you're learning, and you're going to learn Chumash with the BDB, and you're going to learn uh, Talmud with all of the, you know, methodologies and all the, you know, however that's going to work. And then in the Orthodox side, the excellent schools are the ones that are, you know, when I taught at Maimonides in Boston, it was about excellence. It was about, we don't, we don't make a difference between saying that Gemara class is the, ex- the, the important thing and math is, you know, sort of on the side. We want them, we expect those things to be fi- fully excellent. Um, and that, that complicates things when you're not in a place where excellence is possible. And so you say to yourself, oh, I wish I was in, in Baltimore, where we had those choices. I wish I was in Riverdale, where I can go to all these different places. So we're finally at that place where we expect all those things, but we often don't have access to them. Yeah. And to even make it worse, I mean, this is what my, this is my colleague, uh, Dr. Rifka Schwartz talks about this quite a bit. She's a senior administrator at SAR High School. She says within um, the Orthodox community, there's a dual expectations that our schools be both excellent and affordable. But when you actually probe the question of what excellence looks like, it means a world-class secular education that's going to get kids into elite schools, a wide set of clubs and activities and all these other offerings, a fantastic Judaic education, and excellent facilities. And what that means is you're building 
elite prep schools. And that's great. If that's what you want um, for your children, that's great. It's just not realistic at the same time to then be upset when day school education is not affordable. Yeah. You know, and, and it's, it's funny because it's way more affordable here in Quebec, even more so than in Ontario. Um, we actually get a reasonable amount of uh, subsidies from the government. Um, but even then, it's, it's still way more expensive. And we, we, we sit there and we worry about it, and we talk about it. And then that becomes yet another confounding variable. How much are we willing to spend for these types of things? All right, so maybe we can take it from the, you know, from the reverse, right? What, would, what should we not expect day school education uh, to provide for us? Right? We seem to be putting everything in. So if we're going to go and say, well, how do we make it realistic that people actually might be happy with their schools, right? Maybe we should, you know, seed certain things into people's minds and say, you know, don't expect your day school to do this and don't expect your day school to do that. And then maybe we can start working at it. Again, you're not the expert, but you're, no, I, well, you're you is, have you have ideas, yeah. I'm guessing. <laughs> I mean, it's a complicated question for me because my my wife, Stephanie, is the head of a day school. Um, and so, um, so what I'm going to say now, I... I say very lovingly, which is, I think the first thing we have to do as parents or as community leaders around any institution of Jewish life, and especially around schools, is to know that they, they are not solely responsible for whatever outcomes that we want to create, and to, to come up with the calculus of how much do we actually want them to achieve their objectives, and what onus, on us, what onus is on us to act in complementary ways towards their education. Another way of saying it is, you're always going to have to supplement and sometimes counter what happens in the context of what your children look in school, learn in school in order to get them to the, your children to a place where you want them to go. So I don't know what the, I don't know what the percentage is. Is it once it's below 70%, then maybe it's not the right school for you. If you're fully countering what the school is doing or complementing, um, then maybe it's just too much and you have to look at other options. But I have, um, I just try to take an approach of, this school is going to get us 70 to 80% of what we need. And then a lot of us falls on the household. And, and truthfully, that's been the story for Jews for a long time. Uh, institutions are never supposed to replace our convictions and our households in terms of our primary responsibility to educate our children. To me, that feels like a, it feels to me like if we could kind of universalize that approach, you would have a lot less griping about the failures of our schools because they're only supposed to get 70% of the way there, and the rest of the onus or responsibility falls on us. I actually said this last week, and I'm curious, um, you know, what, where, where you think this, this can or should go in that. I think, and based on what you were saying earlier, in terms of like the eras that we're in now, I think we're in the first era where we are sending kids to school, not we necessarily, you or me, but people are sending their kids to Jewish day school with the expectation that that is going to be the Jewish life and that it was, it's not going to be done at home. And that that's where a lot of the failures are happening, where we say, well, you're not coming up with a thick Jewish identity. It's <laughs> how do you expect somebody to have that thick Jewish identity if we live something very, very different at home. We don't keep Shabbat. We go skiing, you know, for the weekends. We don't go to shul. Kosher is something you learn in school as opposed to something that you do at home. And yet, the, you know, we wonder why, you know, there is failure, quote unquote, in the day school system. And I think that that's probably the first time in history where something like that is happening. And that speaks directly to what you're saying. And what I had said was even beyond the 70 to 80 percent, I think that it's 100 percent. If you're not invested in doing Jewish, right, in a significantly aligned way at home, then you are throwing away your money. Or, well, throwing away your money is a big 
statement. Another way of saying it is you can, you can expect you're going to get something out of it, but you can't realistically expect the transformation of your children in an educational environment if it's not, um, it's not a collective commitment. And this goes in both directions. It's not just like I'm not observant, but the school is observant and I want my kids to come away with that. It also comes from the perspective of I don't fully align ideologically with the school. Okay, then that's your responsibility to help bridge that gap for your children, to help them understand what are the places where we disagree with what the school does, and for them to turn those into rational choices. We've been playing this out in our home because we belong to a conservative synagogue. We send um, two of our kids to an Orthodox day school, and, and one of our kids is in a community day school, and we disagree every day with something that our kids are learning in a community day school and something that our kids are learning in an Orthodox day school. And that's what, that's what we talk about at dinner. It sounds like you're in my brain right Right. now. That's what, so that's, so then (laughs) that's your job to talk about it at dinner. Um, and to not simply say, I want either, I want my children to absorb and take and therefore be shaped by this environment. And I certainly don't want them to be constantly rejecting that environment because of what we're teaching them at home. If you want to hear the full conversation, search for Bonjour Chai wherever you listen to podcasts or visit the cjn.ca slash bonjour. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Thanks for listening. Jewish comedy legend Modi and Hasidic rapper Nisim Black are coming to Toronto to perform live at UJA's campaign launch on September 7th. Visit jewishtoronto.com to get your tickets today. Don't miss Modi and Nisim Black on September 7th. Go to jewishtoronto.com for your ticket today.